0: Good morning and welcome to the Marcus today members exclusive podcast. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Thursday, the 13th of April. It is 11:41 a.m. Just waiting a little bit longer today to do the members podcast. Only because we did have some jobs data that came out at eleven thirty, just looking at that one, but certainly uh, the market has taken a little bit of a fall on the back of that. Prior to that, we were negligibly unchanged, around five points lower we 're now around eighteen points lower at eleven hundred forty uh, the unemployment rate remaining at three point five percent. Uh, participation rate remained at 66.7% seasonally adjusted terms and employment numbers increased to 13.883 million. So the market is taking this as a slight negative this morning and it uh, is looking at it as if the economy is still pretty strong. Three and a half percent unemployment still showing pretty strong, still showing that the RBA has some work to do And has some uh, maybe uh, not that pause that we have seen. Although last night, it was interesting to see the Bank of Canada, which is an economy not unlike ours, they kept interest rates on hold yet again, 4.5% there. So 18.6% down today. Not really too much around this morning in terms of uh, corporate news. The only real big mover and shaker this morning is Corporate Travel, CTD, which is up 11.3%. They have won a big contract from the UK government (coughs) worth around £1.5 billion or around £3 Aussie dollars. The contract commenced in March and is set for two years with the ability for a one-year extension in line with ongoing demand requirements. So that one doing well today and we are seeing corporate travel up 11.3%. A little bit of action in one or two of the resource stocks but very much specific to each stock. Nickel Industries doing well at 5.4%. And we have Regis Resources up 4%. Alkane up 3.9%. Interestingly, down at EDI up 3.2%, staging a little bit of a comeback in recent times. As far as the losers go this morning, uh, Square, well, it was hip to be Square, but overnight we did see the block price fall. Square down 6.2%. 29 Metals 29m which had a really good day yesterday on the back of those drill results coming out of mammoth uh, were now down 5.4 percent back down to a dollar twenty two and a half. Not much else of any note really in the market today just really drifting around to some extent a little bit of a knee jerk downwards on the back of those uh, job numbers 3.5 percent does suggest that the economy still is quite strong. Uh, We have seen as well today a little bit of news coming out as far as job openings go. The SEEK advertising for jobs dropped 0.6% in March, indicating some stabilisation after sharp falls in the second half of last year, according to the National Australia Bank. And we are seeing some quarterly production numbers coming out of Beach Energy. Nothing very exciting there. Oil and gas producer Beach said March quarter production fell 5%. To 4.5 million barrels, they cited a gas surplus and the planned shutdown of one of its mines. Goldman Sachs in the news this morning, as they always are. They seeing U.S. rates at five to five and a quarter percent into June quarter of 2024. So that is of interest to those people watching uh, the U.S. market. As far as uh, news goes for Marcus today, members, not an awful lot today from Marcus. He is travelling. Uh, riding back from Marimbula, so pretty much steady as she goes as far as strategy goes with those ETFs uh, and uh, Macquarie and those bank ideas. The banks at the moment suffering a little bit today, not an awful lot to be honest, Macquarie down a smidge and we are seeing a little bit of selling today in some of the resource stocks, BHP down 0.6%, Fortescue down 1.7%, CSL also coming under a little bit of pressure, down 0.8%. And a little bit of pressure in Qantas as well, 2.4% down for Qantas. Some stability returning to the lithium sector in places. Pilbara up 1%. Liontown pretty much unchanged around that $2.70 level, which is 20 cents above the current bid from Arbomile. The market's certainly expecting someone else to pop up on the horizon. As I say, no real change today in the strategy uh, from Marcus. And uh, that is very much steady as she goes. Nothing really exciting overnight from the U.S. either. We did get that U.S. CPI number out. We do get some more data later this week, but currently we're still in the four ETFs, the A200, the HNDQ, which is the NASDAQ beta shares ETF, the iShares hedged uh, S&P 500 ETF, IHVV, and the REIT, ASX200, AREIT, Uh, ETF as well and in the ideas portfolio ANZ, Westpac and NABs and Macquarie uh, in that single stock portfolio. I'm not sure you can call it a portfolio if it's just a single stock but there you go. Uh, That is uh, still 100% invested in Macquarie which is down around 0.15% today. Looking at my stuff today in Henry's take just a few interesting things. Um, I have been asked to be a mentor for Bryce Lesky from Equity Mates, uh, some of you will uh, know that we do a few things with Equity Mates. Some of the podcasts, Equity Mates, of course, focus pretty much on um, younger demographic than is typically ours. But Bryce very nicely asked me if I would uh, mentor him for the next uh, year or so, uh, once a month catch-ups about his portfolio, talking about investment strategies, investment styles, uh, and we sat down yesterday afternoon for our first meeting. I have to say. As they say, when you sit down to, uh, not that I was teaching, but uh, when you think about things that you assume is just knowledge that you've picked up over the years, it's interesting to have a look at a little more depth in some of those ideas and thoughts. I'm also at the moment reading an interesting book called The Ulysses Contract by Michael Kemp, which is a little bit simplistic in its investment strategy, although bear in mind that Michael Kemp was... uh, one of the writers behind Scott Pape and the Barefoot Investor. So uh, it's uh, it's very much an easy access kind of book uh, for those people starting out, I suspect, on their investment journey. But it was interesting sitting down with Bryce yesterday. And uh, we were looking at uh, the big question that Bryce asked me, of course, is how do you beat the market? And certainly that is a question that many fund managers and investors do consider every year my point to him was why bother trying to beat the market Uh, the market or just outperforming the market is fine as long as the market's going up but to lose less money than the market just because you've outperformed on the downside is no consolation if you're planning for retirement or if you're relying on that uh, income or wealth creation strategy to uh, to get you the lifestyle you want so for me it's more about looking at an absolute return as opposed to a relative performance on a benchmark. Of course, benchmarks are very important for fund managers, as they do tend to use them uh, for marketing purposes, of course, and that is uh, part and parcel of being a fund manager. Get your wiggly line above the market's wiggly line, and then, of course, out you go in marketing. Book the Hyatt Ballroom. Book the tea, coffee, and the Mentos, and away you go. So um, that is their modus operandi. But for individual and retail investors, private investors, those looking after their self-managed super funds, of course, it is more about absolute returns. And talking to Bryce yesterday, I think that was uh, good to solidify that for me. Uh, Setting yourself a goal, a target, or a number that you're happy with, uh, that you're aiming towards, and maybe even a time frame, and working towards that in terms of your portfolio and your wealth creation uh, trying to beat the market is uh, is very hard fund managers spend an awful lot of time trying to do that um, and can get very wealthy of course if they do do that so just running through some of the um, thoughts and ideas in henry's take today so well worth a read there if you're interested in in some of the thoughts that i had with bryce yesterday and uh, it will be an ongoing discussion i think we're Due to meet once every month for around about an hour to chat about his portfolio, his investment thinking. Of course, Bryce and his partner Alec at Equity Mates do come across a lot of investment ideas. They do interview a lot of industry people, a lot of fund managers, a lot of CEOs, uh, and they do get an awful lot of ideas. A lot of them also international ideas as well. When he ran through the stocks that were on his watch list, there were a myriad of international stocks in there Visa, MasterCard, those sorts of stocks which I don't really focus on. Also, in Henry's take today, just had a question overnight from one member uh, looking at uh, Virgin UK, and not something that we often look at. Now, of course, Virgin UK was part and parcel of the National Australia Bank's demerger of Clydesdale Bank some years ago. So as a result, there are a number of Australian shareholders, of course, that will have some exposure to Virgin UK, VUK is the stock code there. It does trade both in the UK and here, of course. So a move in the UK uh, will be replicated to some extent here. But uh, I had a look at that this morning. It's not a stock, as I say, that we cover very often. It's not a stock that very much excites, I must admit, given its exposure to the UK. And, of course, this was Clydesdale at one stage. But after a merger and a name change uh, with Virgin, it has emerged as VUK, not a dissimilar business uh, to some extent to the Australian bank's mortgages, business loans, unsecured customer lending. Uh, But where I guess it does differ, and this was part of the point that the member was asking about, was why VUK always looks cheap compared to Australian banks. Some of the reasoning that Australian banks always, always look expensive is once we have one, we have a very kind of insular market here. The big four, uh, the big four pillars policy. So uh, that is certainly something to bear in mind. But also, probably more importantly for Australian banking valuations, is the franking credits. Now, Virgin UK VUK has no franking credits attached. So although it looks cheap in some respects, when you look at the gross yield. It's pretty good, 6.1% uh, or 75 going out. It also has a relatively low PE, according to our numbers, around 5 at the moment. Uh, and good solid dividend cover. There's nothing really to hate about it. Of course, it is exposed to the UK economy, which has been the sick man of Europe. And when you compare it to NABS, of course, uh, then you look at the gross yield there. Uh, that does bounce up because of those franking credits to around 8.99%. Uh, when you add in that benefit there to Australian taxpayers. So that is primarily one of the reasons why Australian banks traditionally trade and look expensive compared to some of the others in the global banking space. Well, that's it. I hope you've enjoyed that. But as I say, have a little look maybe today at Henry's Take, talking about uh, beating the market, beating benchmarks, being a rock star, and that look at VUK. Uh, I wouldn't say we're going to follow it uh, completely, uh, but certainly from time to time it's good to catch up with some stocks and be reminded that there are more stocks out there than we normally cover. So VUK for for us, or for me anyway, is a hold. Uh, It does need to execute on its strategy. There are some cost pressures and of course there are some bad debt influencing Problems that could happen down the track, bear in mind its leverage to the UK economy. Well, that's it. Thanks very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this member's exclusive podcast. And Marcus will be back and business will return to normal tomorrow.